Welcome to the 6 Minute Abs podcast. My name is Abby, aka 6 Minute Abs, and I will be your host along this fitness and wellness journey. Join me as I share the ups and downs of my personal wellness ride and shed light on some exciting, adventurous, and at times outrageous health topics. The show does not intend to offer any medical advice. I only aim to provide entertainment and to inform. You should always consult a registered doctor before beginning any treatment or on any topic that concerns your physical and mental health and well-being. Furthermore, you will not achieve a full set of abs in six minutes. Believe me, I've tried. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to the 6-Minute Abs podcast. It's me, your host, Abby. And today I have an incredibly special guest with me. He is possibly one of, if not my most favorite person in the whole world. It is my big brother, Brian. Hello, Brianie. Hello, everybody, and my favorite sister in the world that I love with all my heart. Nice to be on your show. I'm his only sister, just for the record. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, yes, thanks for that. Um, so my brother is actually a teacher, and I wanted to chat to him about um, how teaching has been affected and how it has been going during um, the lockdown period that we're facing in South Africa right now. So Brian, just for a bit of context, you weren't always a teacher. So you started out, I know that you started out as a lawyer. So what made you go into teaching? Yeah, so I was initially a lawyer and it was something that I trained for for a long time and it's something that I enjoyed doing, but I could just feel my heart wasn't into it anymore. So yes, I'd made a decision to move from being a lawyer into wanting to be involved with children. I was already in law involved with children in my previous job working for the family advocate office. And so I've always had a an affinity and a love for working with children and for helping people. But I wanted to see the good side of life. And so I went into seeing children in a happy space rather than seeing children in a sad space. And I'm actually not by heart a very confrontational, aggressive person. So it was a personal decision to move into the realm of teaching rather than the, the confrontational area of, of law. And, you know, always fighting one another like that. So in the school classroom, it's much more conducive to good relationships and happy times. And yeah, I'm glad I made that move. Okay, so you are a dad, actually, as well. So did your kiddos have any kind of sway in this decision to move into teaching at all? Yes, yeah, no, I, I really am enjoying it from that side of you because I'm with my children at school. They're both little oneies and it's fantastic to be able to spend some time with them in the day just to bump into them in the corridor or have a look at them in the hall when the little one's getting a certificate or see the little ones doing running on the field as I walk past. Yeah, it's very fulfilling in that sense. And our timetables coincide in the sense that we have holidays together and all that kind of thing. So mm. it's much better for a family. Yeah. Okay. And what would you do if like, say, Tim or Joss were in your class? Do you think they'd ever be placed in your class? Or does, um, does your school make a, a point to put them in different classes if their parent is a teacher? Yeah, there's different schools of thought on that idea. And mostly we do try and avoid it if we can. 
But if, if it has to happen, it does happen. And then you get different responses. Some children love being in their parents' class, especially when they're littleies. But I think when they get to be older, they, they don't enjoy it as much being in their mom or dad's class through social pressures and that kind of thing. So, yeah, I haven't crossed that bridge yet. My little ones are tiny and they I teach their bigger grades in the, in the primary school. Okay. Yeah, I know, because, you know, when I was at school, dad used to come and preach at my school. So he wasn't a teacher, but he was a preacher. And that would kill me. So <laughs> I don't yes, know how no, I, would go. I remember that well, my big sister. But I think it's um, maybe it was different for you because perhaps weren't you only in the high school when dad was a teacher or no. a preacher rather than was it also did you hate him in the prime <laughs> hate him i, I, I mean that's a struggle but you didn't like enjoy it presence. even when you were in the primary school in your little one yeah no it was terrible i would cringe every day because you know what our father's like he's very kind of like for okay. everyone who's listening our dad is basically like john cleese on um what's that show faulty towers so just picture john cleese's character as he tries to run around and fix the hotel with the arms flapping wildly and every that's our dad. <laughs> but yes, okay, so to talk about what we actually are supposed to talk about, um, what has been the biggest challenge for you that you face as a teacher during the COVID shutdown and why? All right, so yeah, there's no doubting the COVID situation has forced the whole world into different circumstances and it's no different with teaching as well so I think in the school all my stories relate to the school where I am presently and I'm blessed to be in a, a private school that's forward thinking and I think we were very lucky in the in the sense that we had already got some platforms going online and we used to like give homework in these platforms, on these platforms, even before COVID. And we've just basically juiced that up and moved forward. And so, yes, in that sense, we were lucky and it wasn't a huge challenge for me to go into the digital world online teaching. However, it was still very difficult to, to juice it up and to make it so relevant to today's world. I think you know, I was a beginner, but now I'm more of an intermediate player in on the online classroom platform. And it's just the, the level of knowledge that you have to learn every day. And to keep relevant with young children is very difficult at times and to keep them stimulated and interested. So you're always looking for new material and new platforms and new apps and new things to engage with the children and keep it stimulating in the classroom. And that's quite challenging um, to always source new apps and new platforms and new ideas. I still teach in the same way, but it's just in a different format kind of thing. I think that's a, that was one of the biggest challenges. But the second biggest challenge was obviously the data, am amount of data that we're using is crazy. So yeah, Chow's data to do online meets, Zoom meets, Google Hangouts, all these things. It's, that, that's also been quite difficult for me. Okay, so is it your responsibility as the teacher to find the different apps and so on? Yes, we've got, um, we, we were always using Google Classrooms and that's the, the platform that I'm talking about. 
and that's what we all knew and had basic training in, on, on that. But, you know, Google Classroom is only really a platform to do the presentation of a, of a lesson. So you still can make it more exciting by using different apps and different um, all kinds of interactive ways to work with the children. So, yes, that is, that is the, the difficult things is finding those, those extra things. And as a teacher, yes, it's up to me because there's are thousands, there's thousands and thousands of apps out there that you can use. But it's up to me to source what material I want to put into my classroom. Yeah. Uh, okay. All right, so I'm with you. And then do you teachers like share notes with one another after class and be like, oh, I found this really cool app, guys. You got to use it. Absolutely. Yes, we do that all the time. We have regular staff meetings. We have regular hangouts. And we absolutely, we've got one shared document that we just keep updating with the latest apps that we can use in that. And yeah, we get very excited to find material that, that's available to use. Yes. Oh, okay. Oh, how times have changed, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Yep. Okay. So how has COVID-19 affected the schooling system um, with regards to subject matter, etc.? Like, has it made it more challenging to, to do your lessons online, um, to source material? Are you carrying on exactly the same as you did before when you were planning your lessons, when you had a face-to-face -face class? So how has subject matter changed? Okay. So subject matter... At first, we, we started off slowly because we were experimenting and just making sure that we could actually do this with one another. Because as much as I'm an adult, we got to remember that I'm interfacing with little ones as well. And they, they are as much learners as I am. We all are together in the situation. Um, while, while we were all good at the platform of Google Classrooms, as I say, it's just the everyday use of it because we just used to set little um, homework assignments on there. So it's not, it's using it much more. Um, today, yeah, lesson planning and preparation has changed in that sense. So I've got to do a lot more online research in that because in the past I could just simply stand in the classroom and chat about a concept. Whereas now if, if I want to just chat about something, I can't exactly um, chat easily without showing a visual something because we're all looking at the classroom, at the actual picture on the computer. Okay. So it has changed the way I set the syllabus. And, you know, lesson prep, the, the buzzwords really are now synchronous learning and asynchronous learning. So you get synchronous learning, which is when you meet real time face to face in Zoom or in a Google Meet. But asynchronous learning is where the, the little ones learn by themselves in their own time, in their own space. And it's that side of the classroom that's quite different for me. The asynchronous side where they've still got to have like your worksheet. It's no longer a worksheet you just hand out. It's like a Google form or a Google slide or something. Yeah. So that's it's difficult like that. Yeah. Okay, and just so everybody knows, you said that you teach an older kind of grade. I know you're not in high school. Which grade do you teach right now? Yeah, so I'm focused on grade six, and I have taught grade seven as well. But yeah, grade six at the moment. Okay, cool. And then, um, so you've told me about how your lesson prep has changed. Well, has it changed in terms of... Um, 
you know, like how you prepare your lessons because you said you've got to do Google Forms and that kind of stuff. So obviously as a teacher, instead of printing out your, your lesson sheets, your worksheets now, you, you're making a Google Form on Google Classroom. Um, so have you found that there are special ne uh, measures which need to be taken to effectively teach over a digital platform? Well, you know, that that's exactly it. You can't just use Google Sheets or Google Forms every time because the little person is going to get very bored very quickly if he or she must just fill in a Google Sheet or Google Form each time. So that's where the skill comes in and changing your content of your lesson up in looking at different apps and different programs. Oh, okay. At the moment, I'm into Flippity. So Flippity.net, it's a lovely interactive uh, site where you can download different games and that and create them as your own. And then it also is a form of assessment for, for the little one, but it's not just the boring old fill in the Google form kind of thing or fill in the Google sheet kind of thing. You have to look at different ways of assessing them through different media, through different apps. Okay. All right. So now one of the biggest questions that's come into play um, over this time is one thing that I've been thinking of specifically is matriculants and I'm shame. <laughs> I'm stressing for them. Like if I was in matric, I'd hate it right now because how does the grading system work now? Yes. The, the, you, you flipping out on behalf of them and I've got moms and dads who are talking to me about their children who are in matric and they flipping out themselves saying, Yo, you know, this whole move to online teaching is okay, but it's stressing that matriculant out him or she herself. They are getting stressed by the situation because it's so different. But I think they, they are managing to do it. I mean, it is happening. And the content, as I said, we started off slowly, but we've definitely zoomed up our pace now. So they are getting the same amount of material. And I'm talking now only in the private school sector where we are teaching online. So yes, the grading system and all of that is the same as it always was. But for those matriculants, in definitely in our school and in the IEB, as far as I understand, will definitely still write the same matric exam as usual. And and what I have heard from the from the government school sector is that they are also going to still be expected to write the government. Um, schools exam at the end of the year, the matriculants, but they're going to have to bump up their delivery of lessons in the time that's available to them from now. So they will need to, they will need to um, find time to teach those lessons. What, what I'm hearing from colleagues in public schools is that they're going to be teaching in not doing afternoon programs of sport at all and that kind of thing because there is none but they'll be teaching till five o'clock every day so oh, those really? kids in matric yeah they'll be expected to be at school till five and they won't have like very many breaks and afternoon periods off they'll just be teaching right through so it's going to be hectic for the pupils and the teachers to to pull it off but as i hear that yeah they still be expected to write the matric exams at the end of this year Gee whiz, eh? Because, okay, I stand to be corrected, but as far as I remember, I think that I did prelims in June. Who knows? I wasn't a studious person. But <laughs> so, you know, for, for kids who were going to, like, preparing themselves for prelims now in June, obviously that's a no-go. So I have heard um, via the grapevine uh, that, 
certain schools will be doing um, like an assessment situation where they basically mark um, students works throughout the years like assignments and projects and give them an average grade on that to compensate for exams have you heard anything of that i i haven't heard of that being being in the primary school sector i don't hear all the goings on at the you know the tertiary that that level the high school level but there's always been portfolio assessment i know that in the high school so portfolio they will take a whole bunch of work that they've worked on during the year and use that as one of the marks. Perhaps what they, they're doing is going to make those marks count for more or count for prelims instead. I'm not sure though. I'm not sure. Oh, okay. So your, your grades don't write exams yet? No, it's, it's in the IB, you're allowed to write exams in grade six and grade seven. In, in my school, yes, grade four, grade five, grade six, grade seven do write exams, but it's, it's on a much lower level scale than, okay. you know, the matriculants and that. It's more like just big tests, but we do okay. call it exams, yeah. So um, what is expected of the families during this homeschooling time? Um, is there big parental input that's needed from your part? Do the parents need to be more involved in the learning? How does that work now? Yes, absolutely. Um, the parent situation has increased a lot. Uh, moms and dads are having to still work if they are allowed to work in terms of the regulations, but they have to work and they have to basically homeschool. So what we're setting up is lessons, whether it's synchronous or non-synchronous. We are, we are still preparing the lessons, but moms and dads have to ensure that those lessons are done at home. Now for the bigger kids, and I'm talking about, you know, like 10, 11, 12, 13 year olds and above, it's okay. But for those little oneies, like, you know, nine, eight, seven, six, five, they are definitely having much more time with moms and dads. Moms and dads have to help those little oneies completely, just with the technology, if it's signing into a Google Meet or whether it's yeah. doing a worksheet or something like that, it's much harder and much more strenuous for moms and dads at the moment. So yeah, it's really tough for families at the moment who are going through this situation. And, and there's lots of stress out there. Families are talking to us as teachers about this. Yeah, so they're saying they are finding it hard. Okay. so. That's a nice segue into the next question, which is, do you think that children are benefiting from this type of schooling or do you think that their attention span struggles with the digital teaching? I think we found that it's, it's quite different for those who are, have always been computer literate. You know, those kids are doing well in terms of technology, but you get your different kinds of personality types as well you know you get your more extroverts and your more introverts and and somehow I think we are finding that the introverted person is able to shine a little bit more in these circumstances because he or she is still feeling safe in his environment of a computer and a study and he's, he's shut off so he is able to come out of his shell so so much more in one sense I think it's different for everybody but we have noted in our staff meetings how isn't it strange that little X, little Johnny has come out of his shell, you know, and perhaps this platform in, in teaching online is, is helping little Johnny come out of his shell because in a classroom environment, he might have been more 
introverted, but where he is, he's feeling more confident online, so to speak, and he's able to, to get out. So yes, it's benefiting some of the children. And I think other, other children are perhaps not benefiting as much because they are the more extroverted, sporty type personalities. They're really struggling to be locked down and to be unable to do anything physically. Because, you know, a classroom isn't just an environment where you give a lesson. A classroom is all sorts of things where you, you see body cues and visual cues and from the teacher and your friends can give you feedback in a real live classroom. Your friends can say, hey, you, you know, keep quiet kind of thing. You're disturbing us. So, yes, there are children who are coming out of their shells, but there are also children who are not doing as well so it's a real balance a real mix out there as life usually is yeah <laughs> that's so interesting i never thought i always thought personally because i'm the kind of like short attention span person you know so for me a digital classroom i'd be like ooh, you know looking around my house seeing everything else that can distract me i never thought of the opposite of a kid who would actually come out of their shell so that's really really interesting that you said that now it's really cool, actually. It does allow for, sorry, it does allow for many different personality types to shine and come through. And as I say, there's no one hard fixed answer here. I think it still depends on you as an individual about what, what you do. Okay. So as far as your personal class is concerned, have you noticed a positive or negative effect right now? In my classes that I give, uh, I see all of that, which we've talked about already. So I see little Johnny who's now wow he's shining and I see little little Mary who's not doing so well and my role as a teacher still is the same I feel is that I'm not only there to give a lesson I'm there also to be a motivator and an encourager and someone who has to to try stimulate learning in a very unique environment different environment so yes I am seeing the changes in my classroom and as I said a little bit earlier, I think it's strange for me to see little Johnny who's doing now well. And it's strange for me to see little Mary who's not doing so well. And yet I still have to try and encourage them when I'm speaking to them in a meet or sending them emails because we got email accounts each one. And I'm still trying to do my best as a teacher in encouragement. And that's also linked to the parent question that we talked about earlier that you know, we have to encourage the parents as much and help them to help their children. It's a relationship that we have in three ways, parent, teacher, child, to assist this little one to do as best as he or she can. And yeah, it is, it is having effect in the classroom, both positive and negative, depending on who I'm dealing with. Yeah. So for, for people who don't know this, um, international listeners, um, South Africa is a third world country that is what we are considered as so given that um with south africa not all of our students have the ability to take online classes nor do the teachers and schools have the infrastructure or means to deliver them so do you know if there have been other measures put into place for those learners yes it's a it's a difficult question and i think something that i'm very blessed to be in this private school environment where the children that I do interface with come from, you know, the more affluent houses and they do have uh, data and all that kind of stuff to interact with and indeed a laptop and that. So 
there are things happening in South Africa to assist our uh, our learners who can't work online platforms. Like I know, for example, one of our big networks, Vodafone, Vodacom, is providing lots of free data. And in fact, I know for the Pretoria Tikis University, they've given out free computers, free data, all sorts of things to the 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 students who need help and then within our very rural communities here i know our our school has got an outreach program and our parents have been giving um data so you know we've had a drive to buy data and give data to those in our school outreach communities if it's only helped the teachers to communicate with one another well then that's fantastic because as we know our government schools are only mandated to go back from the 1st of June, now grade sevens. So it is um, definitely harder out there in our rural communities, but there are initiatives that are going on to assist uh, the children out there, but I do not believe it's anywhere near the private schools that we are able to do this online platform teaching, no. Yeah, it's, it just, it's, it's ridiculous for me. We, one of the poorer countries in the world and yet our data costs are one of the highest in the world it's just baffling you know but nonetheless what can we do so you mentioned the the government schools are going back as of the first of june um when will you be going back and how will things change for you as a teacher from then all right so yeah when i say first of june the government schools are being mandated in fact all schools in south africa only grade sevens and grade twelves must come back on the 1st of June. And then we we are linked into that. So we will also come back on the 1st of June, the grade sevens. And the Independent Schools Association, ISASA, is approaching the Department of Education to see if public schools can be treated in a different manner, um, private schools, uh, forgive me, can be treated in a different manner to come back earlier because all of our health protocols will be in place and all the personal protective equipment will be available etc so the government maybe the department of education might give us the private schools mandate to come back all the children at an earlier date but in the in the government schools they will only come back in a phased in approach in a much slower manner but we are hoping to come back in a much quicker manner because if I speak to my children in my classrooms and then they really do want to come back to school. They're really tired of being in lockdown. They're really tired of doing lessons on the internet. They want to get back into the classroom. So yeah, it will be very strange for us when we go back into the classroom. We've got lots of meetings. We've got all our personal protective equipment and you know the, the social distancing that we have to implement is quite difficult when you've got limited space, limited classroom space, but we'll find a way with God's help, we'll find a way. Yeah, I never thought of that because in a classroom, obviously kids all have to sit in certain little groups or next to one another. Yeah. So do they have to sit like one, one sit, then a chair, then one sit, then <laughs> to get this, this facing right? Yes. And that, that is the real hard part, which is why government is, is making them come back in phased in approach because in a, in a public school, you know, it's, it's quite sad, but we've got classes of up to like 60 children in one class. 
And how are you going to do one meter apart, two meters apart in a classroom of 60 children? Yeah. So in my, in my, my, some, my school, I've only got like 30 children in a class. So it's going to be much easier to do that. But I think some of the government regulations include that you should only have 20 children in a class and yes, one meter to two meters apart. So you get, you, you just have to find extra space, sit in the hall, sit in the school, sit in tents, sit in different classrooms. Uh, yeah, all of that's going to be very tough and that's going to be the hard work coming up now. She was okay. So with all being said and considered, what do you think the long-term implication will be on the schooling system in South Africa? It's a, it's a different way of doing things is what's happening right now. And I think there's going to be very many positive spin-offs. There might be some negative ones. For example, you know, that the Minister of Education, I watched a, a show the other night and she was saying that if, if a little one is out of school for too long, he or she doesn't necessarily want to come back into a classroom. And because of our third world status and that kind of thing, many children won't come back to classrooms if it's too long out of a classroom. And there's all those examples of, you know, domestic violence, et cetera, et cetera, which is worse when children are at home, et cetera. So that is the negative consequences of this thing. But the positive consequences, they are also that. And, and the positive things are, for example, that our communication levels are increasing exponentially. This has taught us all so many new skills and we have to adapt. Our, our term, each term, we have a, a theme and our term happened to be adaptability. And this was set a year ago. It's quite strange. And oh, that, is that is one of the key work. <laughs> A key word at the moment is adaptability. So I think we've all learned to become adaptable and to not to rely on methods that have always been worked in practices that have worked in the past. But now you have to be adaptable and you have to be resilient and you have to change. And change is not, not bad. It's a good thing. I think the change at the rate we're going at is, is being very difficult. But so long as the change brings about good practices, I, I'm going to take many skills I've learned in this time period now of online teaching and bring that into my face-to-face -face teaching when I get back into a classroom again in a positive way. So there are many positive spin-offs to this thing. Communication is, is one of them. I think that we've really benefited in, in the long run. We're going to see, see positive rewards, positive impact even in the public sector, in the government schools, the communication is doing well. They've had to communicate. We have to communicate with one another and it's, and it's working. So I think that's a positive thing that we'll take away from, from this whole experience. Okay, well, that's a, a nice light note to end off on. But yes, everybody, this has been my big brother, Brian, otherwise known as Mr. Dengler to his class at, what is your school? Um, it's a good private school in the Lowfeld. Are you not going to say the name? I don't know if I should. Alright. <laughs> well, it's a good private school in the Lowfelt and it's a good grade 6 teacher over here. But anyways, folks, this has been fun and I hope you've enjoyed it and I'll see you next week. So, bye! Bye!